Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. you sit because we're going to read the Word of God in a moment. So uh, if you can open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 to 31. And while you're turning there, I give honour to my pastor, Pastor Harvey, and uh, though he's in the US, um, and uh, Randini, Sister Robbins, wonderful. Uh, we were blessed at Key on Friday night. She came and ministered a powerful word to the young people. We are so blessed to have tremendous leadership in this church. And uh, Brother Ben and Sister Jean, all the leadership, we are honoured. It's an honour to stand here and minister the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 40, I'm going to read from verse 28 through to verse 31. Bible reads, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Verse 31 reads, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. With the help of the Holy Ghost here this morning, I want to speak on a thought that really touches every Christian believer. It spares no ministries. It spares no departments. It spares no levels of leadership. If you're a believer, this is a thought that you will encounter. I want to speak on the critical moments, the critical moments. Turn to your neighbour and say critical moments. While you're standing, would you please put your Bibles down and would you pray with me that God would really anoint this time that we have. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand here in your presence, O Lord God, and we ask that your anointing would fall in this place, Lord God. Your Word promises us that it shall not return void. And so right now, we just pray that every word spoken would find good soil in our heart, O Lord God. We pray, Lord Jesus, that your anointing would come before this congregation, Lord Father, that lives would be changed, that decisions would be made, that transformation might take place here today, Lord God, not because of man's eloquent words, but because of your Holy Ghost and your anointing, O Lord Jesus. Have your way in this place, Lord God. We pray this with faith believing In Jesus' name, let every believer say amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Sister Hackathorn. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Please be seated. Please be be seated. Critical moments. Critical moments. Well, um, completing my university qualification was the hardest thing that I've ever done in my entire life. And yes, I've raised uh, twin daughters. That included, I'll even go that far. Uh, Because anyone that knew me at high school and saw the type of student that I was when I was at high school 
I guarantee would have fallen into some type of deep shock even at the knowledge that Greg Wilmot enrolled into university. I was a bad student. I wasn't a so much misbehaving child. I, you know, I was pretty well behaved. But when I tell you I didn't care about my school grades, I am telling you I absolutely did not care about my school grades. Uh, when I was preparing this thought uh, to today, I was hearkening back to some examples of that when I was at school, and I can assure you there were many examples to choose from, uh, but the one that I settled on was the time where, as a cricket player in the school's first 11, I chose to get the tractor and roll the cricket wicket on a Friday afternoon before our Saturday game. However, the only problem was, Brother Ben, that I chose to roll the, the wicket at the exact same time that I had my legal studies examination uh, at the same time. And matter of fact, my legal studies teacher says that she saw me out the window rolling the cricket wicket while I was supposed to be in there doing my examination. So when I say I didn't care, I'm not exaggerating. My attitude towards my studies was non-existent if even present. And so the mere fact that I enrolled into university was shocking enough, but graduating university was utterly astonishing to the people that knew me at school. I still remember the very first morning that I turned up to university. It was a Monday morning in February of 2008. I was still living with my mother at the time and I caught the bus into the University of Queensland where I embarked on the only degree that my failing high school grade would allow me to study. Everyone say after me, a Bachelor of Arts. That was all I could get into. Uh, but honestly, after much hard work, and I, I honestly did put in a good effort as much as I could in that first year, I then moved to a Bachelor of Biomedical Science where I was squarely out of my comfort zone uh, after that first year. But as I fast forward five and a half years uh, from that morning in February of 2008, and that five and a half years, it included a a, a move from Queensland to New South Wales where I would be with uh, my wife Rachel and uh, that included an engagement and a marriage and it included many casual jobs after all of that took place. Finally, my graduating day arrived. Now, on many occasions throughout my time on campus and maybe there are some people here that have studied that can relate to this thought, there were times where I would look out on the graduating lawn and I would just imagine that, that when that day finally took place for me. Uh, it seemingly felt that my graduating day was never getting any closer despite all of the lectures and the tutors and all of the toil that I was going through uh, throughout the years. But lo and behold, in June of 2013, my graduating day, it finally arrived. Now, as I mentioned earlier, this was a day that I had dreamt of for some five and a half years. It was the thought of my graduation that uh, kept me going and gave me strength during the long nights where I was studying at the university library. The thought of graduating was the thought that gave me encouragement as I would burn through countless pages of a textbook uh, long into the night 
preparing for uh, or trying to memorize my lecture notes. It was the thought that gave me strength, and this is, I remember this clearly, uh, the thought of graduating was the thought that gave me strength as I had to forego many social events with the young people here uh, and rewired youth back then and, and time with, with my wife. It was the thought of graduating. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say, graduating. That gave me motivation. And finally, after five and a half years, it was my turn to graduate. It was my day. The moment I had spent hundreds of hours imagining it had finally arrived. And I remember at that time it wasn't COVID, so I was given five tickets for my graduation. And so I gave those tickets. One was to my wife and one was to my mother and one was to my father-in-law. One was, to, sorry, one was to my father, one was to my mother-in-law, uh, Sister Angie, and the final one I gave to Brother Jared because he wasn't married then, so he hung out a lot with, with us. You know. And I remember on that evening, I was lining up down by the platform, all of my fellow graduates, and we had that funny gown on and that funny hat on our heads. And I remember looking up to the upper deck of that uh, hall, and I saw my family. Uh, my mother was pale because she still was coming to terms with the fact that her son finally somehow managed to graduate university. But I remember that I was getting close to the front of the line and lo and behold, eventually my name was read out. And so I stepped up on that stage and I, I, I came on that side of the stage and I walked to the centre where I shook the vice chancellor's hand and then I collected my certificate. And as I walked off that stage, something extremely strange happened to me. At the very moment when I thought that I was going to be overwhelmed with emotions, the emotion of completion, I felt emptiness. The moment that I had thought was going to bring me to tears, the moment where all of the uh, invested energy would finally pour out of me, I stepped off that stage and I can honestly tell you I was shocked by how unsatisfied and unfulfilled I felt at that moment of arrival. You see, church, I made a mistake that day. I made the mistake of believing that the most significant moment of that five and a half year journey was the day of my completion. And I've learned in hindsight that it was not the day of completion that was the most significant. Because as I look back today, it was not that 30 second period of time where I walked across that stage to collect a piece of paper that I draw strength from, but it was every Every difficult moment of the journey towards the day of completion that truly strengthens me. Can someone say amen? It was the hours that I spent locked up away in the back of a corner of a library studying that nobody saw that I draw strength from. It was the hours I spent uh, reading over textbooks while everybody else in the house was asleep that I draw strength from. The critical moments of this journey was not when I hung my degree on the wall of my office, but the times when I felt like giving up and throwing it all in. But something inside of me said, you need to keep 
keep moving forward. And I'm not here today to preach to you, the church of the living God, about my degree, but I am here to preach to you about this very same principle here today, that this very principle is true of our faith, that the critical moments in the kingdom of God, they are not as we think that they are. They are not the milestones. They are not the milestones of public victory. They are not the times of blessings or smooth seas. It's the moments in between, the moments of private intimacy when nobody sees what you're going through, but Jesus Christ stands in the gap for you and you feel His presence. Praise God. This is the moments when you don't know what to do next, but open up the Word of God and the Bible screams and says to you, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. These are the critical moments of your faith. Praise God. It's the moments where you don't have people patting you on the back and saying, keep going. But that still small voice speaks to you in your prayer closet, deep in your house somewhere. These are the critical moments of your faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. We have this belief, church. We have this belief that success is arrival. Success is milestone. Success is completion and success is accomplishment and it affects the things that we project. And we're all guilty of this, myself included. You will notice that athletes post photos of trophies. They don't post photos of long nights in the wet, cold rain training when nobody's there to celebrate them and cheer them on. Students will post photos standing in their graduating gowns, not grinding over textbooks in the library deep into the night. Arrival is success, and therefore that is what we celebrate. But I'm here to remind you here today that arrival may hold ultimate value in the sight of man, but it does not hold more value in the sight of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because in the sight of God, success is defined as waiting on the Lord and success is defined as abiding in Him and success is refusing to turn your back and give up when difficulty comes your way. This is what gets the attention of the Almighty here today. It's the people that are tired and the people that are weary and the people that are faithful but you keep turning up and you keep being faithful and you keep serving and you keep waiting on the Lord. And do you know why that is success according to the Word of God? Because it's at this time the Bible says that the Lord shall renew your strength and you shall mount up with wings as eagles, that you shall run and not faint, walk and not faint. Hallelujah. If you're here today, you feel a bit tired, I'm here to tell you, you're getting the attention of Jesus Christ. If you found it hard to wake up and come to the house of God, but you came anyway, I'm here to tell you, you're getting the attention of the Almighty, praise God. If you can be faithful when you're tired and you're weary, you get the attention of Jesus Christ. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise here today? Hallelujah. I thank God that He doesn't give us strength when we stand on mountaintops. He gives us strength in the valley low. Hallelujah. Because we don't need His strength when we're standing at the apex of a mountain looking down. But when we're in the valley looking up, thinking how on earth am I gonna get through this mess? 
How am I going to move past this situation? This is when the Lord can do things in us that we cannot do on our own. God has performed some rather painful spiritual surgery on me for the better part of a decade. And for those that know me, you will understand what I'm about to say. The surgery that he has performed on me is redefining success, is redefining achievement and accomplishment. You must understand something here today. I was raised in an environment I love my family so very much. But I was raised in an environment where we were measured according to our level of accomplishment. Performance-based, outcome-based value systems, results above all else and at any cost. And whether it was in our academics for my sisters or sporting endeavours for me, it did not matter. We were expected to achieve. But what I've learned, church, over the years I've spent walking with him is that this may be the acceptable worldview, but it is not the acceptable view in the sight of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful that it's not the view of our Lord Jesus Christ because if we as believers intend on planting ourselves at the apex of a mountaintop somewhere and remaining there indefinitely, we cannot be in the will of God because to be Christian by definition means to be like Christ. And Philippians 2 says that he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That means I don't need a reputation in the sight of man to be successful in the sight of the Lord. I don't need accomplishment to be successful. I need to be a servant of the Lord. I need to be faithful. I need to be obedient and I will be successful in the sight of God. Hallelujah. Oh God, give us a revelation of what it means to be successful in the kingdom of God. Give us a revelation of how to be faithful when we don't feel like being faithful. Forgiving when we don't feel like forgiving and to be long-suffering. Praise God. In the midst of storms. Hallelujah. These are the critical times, church. These are the moments of our faith when carnality dies when superficiality dies, when our will begins to die and His will begins to prevail in our life. Galatians 6.9, my wife's favourite scripture, tells us that we ought be not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. How many love that scripture here today? Many here could quote that scripture. But here's my question. How many can quote the scripture before in verse 8? The scripture that says, He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Doing well 
is not as the world defines it. It is not some type of defined destination. It is heeding to the Spirit. It is sowing to the Spirit. It means every single day when I wake up, Brother Ben, I pick up my cross and I follow after Jesus. It means I walk in His will on a daily basis. It means even when I'm tired, even when I'm weary, even in the absence of some type of success, I'm going to pick up my cross and follow after the Lord, praise God. Yes, we can be so destination focused, outcome focused, success focused, praise God. But I truly believe that God cares more for the process that you are in than the arrival of your destination. Let that sink in. God cares more about what's happening in your life when there's nothing that appeals to your flesh than what happens when you have reached a destination or a milestone in your life. Because in a world where there are so many arrivals that people pursue, so many destinations we chase after, so many types of success that we want to accomplish for ourselves. I'm here to tell you there is only truly one piece of accomplishment that really matters to the Christian believer. Amen. It's not preaching great sermons or singing great solos. It's not being invited here or there. It's not having your name against some department. It is being in the presence of Jesus on that special day where he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That is the only destination that truly matters. And if nobody knows my name on the way there, I don't care. As long as I stand in His presence and He says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Can someone say hallelujah? Because heaven doesn't care how many zeros there are in your bank balance or how many degrees against your name. All He cares about is whether you were tired and weary, whether you were still faithful to the house of God, whether you opened up your Bible when you didn't want to open up your Bible, whether you prayed when you didn't want to pray. That is the definition of success. Do you know it's better that you crawl on broken glass on your hands and your knees and you walk through heaven's gates than for you to look successful and all that but be a million miles from the Lord Jesus Christ? I want to encourage somebody right now that feels discouraged, you feel overlooked, you feel like you've not achieved anything. If you know Jesus, if you are faithful, you are successful in the sight of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I long for the day where we want to be around the prayer warriors that sit in the back of the church service somewhere. I long for the day where we care for what happens on a Wednesday night service as much as the big conferences, amen. I long for the day where we value normal because normal is a day that He has made. And the Bible says that we ought to rejoice and be glad in every single day that He has made. There is value in today. Let me say that again. There is value in today. And and if, if today 
is not approaching something exciting, if today doesn't resemble success according to the world's definition, there is still value in today, praise God. Because the Bible says that this is the day that the Lord has made. This day. He made this day. His mercies are new every day. Brother Ben said it earlier. Every day His mercies are new. There is value in today because He has made today. Hallelujah. And I know this is something that we wrestle with and I preach to myself before I preach to anybody else here today. That we need to find a way to see value in normality. Yes, we do. Because if we as believers require some type of external fuels of motivation to keep us going through today, it will not be very long until we run out of that fuel and run out of the doors of the, of, of the house of God. I love General Conference and I love uprising and turning points. I love these, but Lord, let us not find that place where these types of events become the fuel for our salvation. Praise God. Amen. Because that's not the, that, that devalues every single day that we walk with Jesus Christ. If there's not one more conference I ever attend, I ought to God that He's still enough for you here today. Praise God. If there is no conference from the 2nd to the 6th of January, I ought to God that the world Word of God and His presence is enough to keep you going. Because there is value in today. Because He made today. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. I won't be much longer here today. But I believe the Lord is going to move on some people here. There is value in today. There is value in what is normal. Scripture in Proverbs 18 says these words. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. How many love that scripture? How many forget that scripture when you're standing on a mountaintop? Yeah. How many are comforted by that scripture when you're in the valley low? How many can honestly say that scripture comes to life in them when they don't know what to do next except turn to the presence of Jesus? But do you know something here today? Your salvation is more secure when you call upon that name in the deepest of valleys than when you forget about that name on the highest of apexes. And do you know what? We spend more days in normality than we spend looking down from the top. And if we can't wrap our heads around this principle, then the enemy knows what he needs to do to remove us from the Lamb's book of life. If I rob this person of things that appeal to their flesh sooner or later, 
They're going to be out of the house of God. He tried that with Job and it did not work because Job had a relationship. But my question to you here today is do we have the type of relationship that will keep us grounded and keep us being faithful and keep us turning up to the house of God when there is nothing in our life that appeals to our flesh and makes us feel like we are something? Every believer will eventually be exposed to seasons of testing. Seasons of enduring. Seasons of abiding. And seasons of holding on. Seasons where there may not be exciting milestones around the corner or tangible successes, but just normality, just the normal. I believe that this is the case because the Lord wants to ask this question. Is He enough? Is He enough? Say it out loud. Is He enough? In the absence of worldly successes and attention from man, and milestones that look good against one's name is Jesus Christ enough for you here today? In the absence of conferences and big events and guest preachers and full churches, is He enough for you here today? When you look to your right and you look to your left and all you see is blessings heaped upon other people, but you feel as though the Lord has forgotten to switch on your blessings, is He enough here? for you today. Stand with me in the presence of the Lord. We're going to invite the presence of God down here in a short while. C.S. Lewis, he says these words. He says, everyone has noticed how hard it is to turn your thoughts to God when everything is going well with us. While what we call our life remains agreeable, we will not surrender truly to Him. What then can God do in our own best interests but to make our own life less agreeable to us and take away the plausible source of fake happiness? Fake happiness. First Peter 1 says it this way. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise and honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see Him, yet believing you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I want to remind you here today, and we are all believers, regardless of where you fit in the body of Christ. Yeah? We are all subject to this. Even the people that you think look like they're always standing on the mountaintop, it is not the case. 
most of you will see Pastor Harvey with the microphone in his hand or Sister Stephanie with the piano in front of her or Brother Trey with the drum in front of him and you think, well, it appears that they are standing upon a mountaintop somewhere, but I promise you that the Lord will ensure that in every heart and in every life, there are experiences that keep us grounded and remind us that we need Jesus Christ on a daily basis. And if He is not enough on a daily basis, I'm here to tell you that that salvation that First Peter speaks of is in jeopardy. But I would to God that the apostolics in this place would say to themselves that Jesus, You are enough today. You are enough in the absence of success. You are enough when I feel isolated. You are enough when people don't know my name. You are enough when I don't have employment. You are enough here today. Oh, hallelujah. I believe that the Lord wants to encourage some people here today. Some people that are tired. If you're tired here today, the Word of God says that His attention is upon you. If you are weary here today, the Word of God says that His attention is upon you. If you don't know what to do next and you look to your left and you look to your right and you're asking your leadership and you're not getting answers and you're asking the Word of God, you can't seem to get peace. I'm here to tell you, despite what you feel, the church loves you, leadership loves you, the Word of God is still truth and and praise God, you're still getting the attention of the Lord. So right now, I wonder if you lift your hands towards heaven. If you are a believer and you have a name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, if you would lift your hands, we are going to pray. And then I would ask that people that are carrying some uh, some tired bodies and some weariness in you, we're going to allow the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God to wash through us and strengthen us here today. So would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, come on. If you believe in the Holy Ghost flowing through this place, would you open up your mouth with me and speak to your Saviour? Father, in the name of Jesus, we call out your name right now, Lord God. Your Word tells us that you're thinking about us in our season of weariness. You think about us when we're tired and down and so right now I pray for every soul in this place oh Lord God that you would touch them Lord Father that you'd remind them that you love them Lord God that you give them strength when they are tired encourage them when they're discouraged Lord uplift when they're feeling down oh Lord Father I pray that you would revive some spirits here today I pray that you would lift up some tired and weary bodies here today oh hallelujah because your word tells us that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. Come on. If you've got the Holy Ghost, would you speak in the Spirit right now? I believe the Lord wants to move all over this place. He wants to touch you. He wants to revive you. He wants to restore you. Hallelujah. Come on. These altars are open. I wonder if there are some people that want to be revived. I wonder if there are some people that want to be restored. I wonder if there are some tired and weary souls that need a good old dose of the Holy Ghost here today. These altars are open for some souls that need a touch from the Master here today. Come on, come on. It doesn't matter what your neighbor's doing. The Lord is here. And he wants to move in this place. Rokoyan 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, some people, it's been a while. It's been a little while. We've been walking in flesh. I preached to myself before I preached to anybody else. We've been walking in the flesh. Hallelujah. But right now, the Lord wants to move. Oh, would you make some time? Let's have that appointment with the Lord. As our musicians and singers would lead us, I wonder if you would just give yourself fully to the Lord. Rokoya.